And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. It is Monday, the 15th of March, the Ides of March. Beware the Ides of March. We are broadcasting live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. If you're on Twitch, we're trying to build up to 100 followers, and then we're going to do a watch party. I think that's the plan right now. Anyway, Jason had here. I am the editor of sci-fi for me, such as it is. And I am back in the saddle, firmly ensconced in the big chair. It's not really that big, but you know, metaphorically speaking, of course, should I name the chair? Rush Limbaugh had the Attila the Hun chair. I'm wondering if I should name my chair. The James Tiberius Kirk chair. Possibly. The Thor chair. I don't know. I Maybe <clears throat> not. Maybe not. I've got my mic on, by the way. I know. Okay, just I, making sure. I saw you reaching for it. I think that if you're going to come up with a name for your chair... You can be more clever. Look at some of the stuff we have around here. You uh, are more clever than simply naming it. Yeah, I'm that. not. I'm not feeling very clever right now. Well, but, maybe not know. right now, but you may later. And you don't want to sit there and have a name for it that you may regret in like ten years. I mean, think of some of the names kids are these days. Like George, I'll name my chair George. No, I'm sitting on George. That doesn't that doesn't work. I've always liked Henry. If you're gonna go for a plain I had a, name, I, no, I can't use Henry because Henry was my Oldsmobile Delta eighty eight. <laughs> my okay. second, my the actual first car that was mine, uh, I named Henry, and actually was the first car uh, was the first car where I listened to Rush Limbaugh. I had that I had that car during during college. All right, so if you're live with us, the chat is on, the comments are on. You can jump in and uh, and leave your thoughts and join the conversation. And if you are not with us live, if you're here on replay mode, uh, you can still leave a comment. Of course, we do have an email address live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. If you are a, a, a podcast connoisseur and you prefer to consume your content that way we're on all the different podcast players iHeartRadio, pocket cast amazon music spotify apple podcast double twist tune in stitcher and listen notes and we are back for our a normal ish week this week um We've got a brand new H2O podcast tonight. Mr. Harvey and I are going to be talking about the future of Star Trek. And then we've got a new Star Wars news program, Salacious Crumbs, a new episode of that tomorrow night. And the Ranker Pit on Thursday. Probably talking more about Gina and Bill Burr now coming under fire. Um, 
we'll see about that. I, I say a normal-ish week. Last week was not normal. For those of you who were here, you know that I was out for four days working at the ESPN coverage of the Big 12 basketball tournament. And I got to be honest with you, I debated for a little while uh, whether or not to even do a show today because it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm coming off of four days of working, well, sitting mostly. Uh, the particular job that I had this time around, it didn't have a whole lot to do because there is no crowd and you know, all the social distancing and whatnot. So, so ESPN setup this year was bare minimum stuff. So the stuff that I usually do, I did not do. I got paid to sit, which is fine. I get paid, but I sat. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta admit, there were times where I thought about walking away from it. Not, not, not because, not because I'm getting paid to sit, but it's the the place where I was mentally during that week, and this is last week. Uh, it has me. It has me thinking. And so today, I thought I'd. I we don't have a guest. Uh, we do have invitations out to to various people, so we can get some guests in here. And if you've got suggestions, by all means, uh, share your thoughts and and let us know if there's anybody that you want us to bring on the show to talk to them. But the first night, Wednesday, was the first day for the tournament. And as I'm driving home, uh, Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb comes on the air. And it got me thinking that that's, that's the year. That's 2020 in a nutshell right there. Because as... As we were getting closer, I got a I got a message from the production coordinator a few weeks ago, asking if I wanted to come back and do the do the Big Twelve again. I was like, "Well, yeah, sure, why not?" And as we got closer, we got all the paperwork done, and I've got it on my schedule. Got it on the calendar. Starting to make plans for other people to come in and host the shows in my absence. And as we get closer to this, you know, Mindy and I talked about this, so this is not anything that, that's going to be new for her, so it's not going to be a surprise. But as we got closer to the event itself, as we got closer to the Big 12 tournament, I experienced an increasing amount of dread, I guess, is the, is the, good, the, the good word to describe it. And as I'm examining this feeling, I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, where is this coming from? What's the motivation behind this? Because this is, this is a job that I've done before, and I don't have any problem doing it. And I was actually kind of looking forward to it in a way because it would be nice to get back out and get to work. But 
the mixed feelings and the ambivalence that I experienced kind of caught me up short, caught me by surprise. So I have to examine this. I have to, I have to do a little bit of self-reflection and figure out, okay, why am I feeling dread at going to work? And it sort of kind of percolated into my brain a little bit. This is the beginning of the crazy times for me. Because we were right in the middle of the Big 12 tournament last year when the world shut down. It was day two of the Big 12 tournament. And I was working for the ESPN crew like I, like I do. And that's, it was such a surreal Twilight Zone experience to be sitting there and have the world shut down around you. We were in the arena. The, the teams had been pulled back into the locker rooms because everything had stopped. And we're like, okay, well, what, are, what are we doing here? What's going on? What's happening? There were a lot of questions. There were a lot of people that just did not know what was happening yet. We knew there was a pandemic going on. Places had started to shut down. States were starting to take actions. Cities, mayors, city councils, governors, they were all starting to make decisions. But it wasn't the full-on lockdown as we got later. But we're in day two of Big 12, and a few players had tested positive for COVID. And we're, you know, ESPN is a sports network. They cover sports. And now suddenly there's no sport. Everybody is just kind of standing in this perpetual wait mode. And we're all looking at each other saying, okay, well, what do we do next? How do you cover something that isn't happening now? And I remember when the Big 12, because uh, the Big 12 Board of Governors was having their big meeting and then they had a press conference. And you see on the Jumbotron, because already on day two, there were, there were no crowds at the games. So it was already a little eerie. But then after the Big 12 Board of Governors decided we're not doing the rest of the tournament, the whole thing has been canceled. The only people in the arena was the ESPN crew. And we're talking about the end of the tournament in the middle of the tournament because now there's no tournament. And that was the beginning of everything in terms of uh, my not getting a whole lot of work on the one hand, but also this, this general malaise that has permeated the country over the last year, the destruction of our economy, the, 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 the destruction, and I guess you could say that, the destruction of general mental and emotional health in this country, because it's not just about COVID-19. And whatever you may think about the origins of it or the handling of it or the treatment of it or whatever, 
there is a certain amount of fear-mongering among the media. And as a member of the media for 32 years, I can say that with some, some bit of authority that some in the media have played this situation to their benefit. I don't want to sit there and say, well, COVID's not real. I know it's real. And I know it's dangerous to a certain percentage of the population. Not to everybody. And I have yet to see anything that justifies what we have gone through this last year. Now, it did give me a little bit of an opportunity to build this channel a little bit. Restarted this show, and it's been going fairly well, I would think. We've, we've got listeners on the podcast side of things. We have people that come in here that are regulars who view this show on, on YouTube and other places. So there's been that benefit. And I get to see my wife all day. So there's that. But here we are a year later. One year to the day, on this day, on March 15th of 2020, we started covering what I now call the school closings list. The events. The Comic-Cons that changed their schedule, that canceled. And, and during 2020, for the most part, it was all cancellations. One after the other after the other. I think we probably went through half our list at least in the first three or four months as this thing just took over everything. And so now here we are a year later. I've gotten used to it. Going into the lockdown, I didn't really have too much of an adjustment that I had to make because I'm already... You know, I already work in my own office. I'm self-employed. I'm a freelancer. So I didn't have to do a whole lot of adjusting. I have, I have my own space. I've got the studio. We get the office. I was already here. So I didn't have to make very much of a change. Now, Mindy did because she's now having to work from home as opposed to going into the office. But that's really the only change that she's had to make in terms of her work. And that's fine. Without her work, we'd be in a lot of trouble. But mentally and emotionally, I think there has been probably more of a hit than I originally thought. Because as I'm coming into this, this past week and getting ready to go back to the Big 12, this dread, this shadow of, of dark anticipation sits there and says, I really don't want to go into this thing. For a couple of reasons. One, everybody's going to be masked up. Whether the science proves that it's useful or not, who knows. But it's this, it's this, it's a, it's an outward sign of how things are different. And as we continue to see 
through these numbers that continue to change and the different information that comes out. For me, there have been times where the whole mask thing has made me angry. Not because we have to wear a mask, but because people are so ready to be manipulated by the media on all of this. And, and, and it's, not just, it's not just the mask thing. And I find myself not wanting to deal with people. I'm already not very patient with a whole lot of people anyway going into this. But now, after a year of lockdown, essentially where we've all been isolated from each other and not allowed to congregate, the mental an emotional toll that it's taken. And I recognize that there have been, I've had more depression fits, I've had more uh, issues internally, but I've been able to dive into my work and not really have much, you know, effect. But I'm going into this last week and I'm thinking to myself, I really don't want to deal with people. I mean, we're at the point now we're doing, you know, we're not going to church, we're doing it online. You know, shopping is done online. And I think I have to wonder how much of this is by design to get everybody to the point where they are used to everything happening through your devices. And I did not want to be out last week. And part of it, too, was, you know, I don't want to be away from this work. You know, this is this is my work as well. And it's tough for me to hand it over to somebody else to do. Not that it you know, not that they don't do it well. It's just it's not me doing it. And that takes a toll because I'm sitting in a chair at the arena with a mask on not being productive. And that's probably the biggest thing that I was chomping at the bit about because I'm not able to do anything. Afternoon, Mazurus, in the chat. Welcome. Good to see you today. Multiverse tonight over in, uh, over in the chat and the Twitch rolling his eyes like he does. And that's fine. I... I don't know it, and then and then you get this hit piece that comes out from this rewriting Ripley, whoever that is, and the timing of it is beyond suspicious. Calling anybody that doesn't like the Last Jedi an alt right bigot Nazi troll, I take offense to that. I really do. And I see everything that's going on. You know, you look at the Gina Carano situation and now Bill Burr is going to be targeted and Rosario Dawson's being a target. And I debate 
with myself, and so far there's not a winner here, I debate with myself whether or not to even keep doing this, honestly. It's a question I ask myself a lot. And I have these periods of time where this kind of thing goes on, you know, things things don't go exactly the way they're supposed to go or things I would like them to go. Uh, you know, staff turnovers and, and people not following through on things that they say they want to do and then, you know, stuff that we make and, and things we create not finding very much of an audience. I mean, there's, there's periods of frustration there. And so I have this debate with myself whether or not to continue this. But then I thank all of you guys out here. You're here. And there's got to be a reason why you keep coming back. And that is not lost on me either. And I enjoy this. Don't get me wrong. But there are times when the sighs are heavy and the frustration is there. And, you know, every now and again, you just gotta, you just gotta take a, take a breath and be real and, and reevaluate and just there go, okay, you have to take your, you have to take your measure. And say, all right, what do I really want to do with this? Do I want to continue? This is, this is what we call our abort or pivot point. Do you stop or do you adjust? Mazur says, uh, I'd have the debate whether or not to continue simply based on the notion that media popularity now seems to be based on how left or right-leaning you are rather than being noticed because your content speaks for itself. That, that's, that's a good point. Because we've done our best, and I lean, I lean um, one particular direction. Not everybody on the staff does, uh, which is fine. I don't expect everybody to agree with me all the time, 100%. That would be boring, because I'd just be talking to myself. Who wants that? Thomas says, despite the fact I don't agree with you, I consider you a friend. As a friend, I say, keep going. Well, thank you. I do consider you a friend as well. And it's really not, you know, th this whole thing for me, it's, it's really not a right or left thing. And I look at the things that are going on, and it really, it, I've, I've said this before, it, it goes beyond politics, your usual political debates. It's not really about left or right, red, blue, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. This is, this is, this is about power. It's about power and influence. And you have a number of people who are, whether they're fandom menace or not, in the particular case of Star Wars, we'll go there for a second. You have a group of people who are becoming 
more noticed and somewhat more influential in fandom circles. And they're saying things that the Star Wars story group, the Lucasfilm group, does not want to hear. And they're saying things that the Star Wars story group does not want other people to hear. The latest example of this, we have here that uh, the Running Wild with Bear Grylls National Geographic channel has pulled the Gina Carano episode. National Geographic is partially owned by Disney. And you, Mrs. Boss, you said which which particular, because we were talking about, uh, I was on Midnight's Edge after dark last night. We were talking about the Cara Dune, uh, the Cara Dune Funko Pop being discontinued, but you're saying it was a very right now, a specific one. Right now, the one that came out for season one, 360-something or whatever, um, if you try to order it from Funko, it is not available. And they are not going to be getting any more from the – and this is for Entertainment Earth, the site. And they're not going to be getting any more from um, the manufacturer on this one. But that's just the first – That's that one. Now, 403, which is the one for season two, which we currently have on a Mm pre-order, that one – now, it has been released, but with – there are people who have it, and it is available up on eBay. Um, That one – has was originally supposed to be released this um, March, I believe it was March. Uh, and when I got the email on that, it said it had been pushed out till July of this year. Now, whether that one is going to have a release, I don't know, since the first line or the first group has been produced and put out into the world. So I don't know if what we have is going to be like a second yeah. one or not. And I'm not sure where Funko is sitting on that production. Um, I have not received an email yet from Entertainment Earth stating anything different. Now, let's let's clarify. Entertainment Earth is a retail shop. It's like yes. Target or Amazon or any of those places. So it's not... Entertainment Earth is not going to have any any part of the decision making process as far as what Funko does. It's just a matter of thing. if they're getting any type of product right. from Funko. It's not like with the Hasbro, where Hasbro is producing and has been uh, has had all the information for the Derek uh, Dara Cara Dune characters. Um, they're blueprints basically taken away from them yeah because we found out from from hollywood reporter that it was not hasbro's decision to cancel the cara dune stuff but lucasfilm and we have i've got to wonder if all of this because the timing of this rewriting ripley article which is a very long read it took me about an hour to get through it because of all of the stuff that's in it and it don't it, make no mistake this is an actual hit piece hatchet job and it's one of those things where the the writer of the piece makes an assumption and then cherry picks and pulls a bunch of things out of context in order to support the 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 conclusion that he's already drawn 
he, she, they. I don't know. We and don't know who this is. I don't care. But you could just as easily do a piece on the flip side of things, basically proving that anybody, you know, because this piece basically says anybody that doesn't like The Last Jedi is a racist Nazi troll who likes, you know, Ben Shapiro and Rush Limbaugh and whatever. Even goes back to Rush Limbaugh's success and the and the and the the decision to eliminate the fairness doctrine and goes all the way through gamergate i mean there's a there's a reach on a lot of this but gamergate milo you know milo yanopoulos and breitbart you know just all of these let's connect all of these dots and make this big huge conspiracy that it's all this alt right conspiracy thing and the timing of it after how many weeks now of all of the Star Wars videos getting ratioed on YouTube and the comments, the quotes, the things that people are pulling from the Gina Carano interview with Ben Shapiro, the quotes that they're dropping into the comments on all of these videos, this is not going away. And... This this rewriting Ripley article feels like a coordinated attempt to smear and besmirch a lot of YouTube creators, and we're not we're not included in that list. We're not big enough to draw that kind of an attention yet. But I think if we were, if we had sixteen thousand subscribers instead of sixteen hundred, we'd probably be targeted on that list as well. I hate The Last Jedi. But I don't hate it because I hate women. I hate it because it's a crap story. It's pretty. Cinematography on it is great. Fantastic cinematography. Don't get me wrong. It looks great. And John Williams, of course, delivers a solid score like he always does. But I hate The Last Jedi. Does that make me a Nazi? Well, according to these people, it does. And that has me going back to the question of whether or not it's even worth it at this point. Because I just get tired of the flame wars. And we haven't been involved in it. I, I we, We've been very fortunate in that regard. We've not drawn the fire from these people. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be very charitable here. They're, they're lunatics. Really. I mean... To call Bill Burr a subconscious, subconsciously racist because he married a black woman. I mean, that that's beyond the pale. So what does, what does that make Christina Ariel, who's married to a white man? Does that mean that she's secretly racist as well? I mean... 
What kind of convoluted logic are these people using? Emotionally constipated junior high mean girls. That's all this thing is. That's all these people are. This neener, neener, neener behavior is just so frustrating. Hang on. I have to agree with Mazeros here. Yeah. I would love to as well. So Bill Burr's wife has responded to all of this, and she's used language that we don't use on this show. But she... Made her made her feelings quite clear on that on that topic. Yeah, there there was no she made it very clear. Yeah, and Mazers, you're right. The problem the problem with the internet giving everybody a voice is that the internet has given everybody a voice. Not everyone needs to be on the web. Not everyone needs to be on social media. Social media is a cancer. Well, and you know, you sit there and you see these things, and. Like what that guy said to about Bill Burr and, you know, with his wife and all that stuff. And these people who are so progressive and everything, they're just trying to segregate us again. I know. Exactly. I, I made that point last night on Midnight's Edge. The, they're segregationists. They are sitting there saying, well, the black people can be over here. Look at what they did in Port. Was it Portland or Seattle? They set up that stuff. The black, the, the blacks over here, and the Latinos over here. I think and, that was Seattle. What the hell? Yeah, I know. Did Dr. King die for nothing? Because wait, right do they now, teach Dr. King anymore in school? Right now, it really feels like it. Everybody tell you, Mazers is right. People talking, you talk about inclusion. How are you defining inclusion, Twitter? That would require looking at a dictionary. Well, I mean, you, they you don't wanna, educate. Well, it's 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 indoctrination. But but everything now is segregation, segregation, segregation. Let's give everybody their own space. Give everybody their own place. That's not how it's supposed to work. And and it doesn't just fall on Star Wars. It's everything. It's Star Trek. It's Doctor Who. It's Battlestar Galactica. And I'm sure bu the, the new Buck Rogers production is going to get drawn into it, dragged into it. Superman and Lois. You know, that that the one the one writer who was on the staff for for season one crying in her beer because she got fired over saying, you know, you know, her push for more diversity on the cast. Jonathan and Martha could be people of color. No, they can't. What a stupid, idiotic thing to do. It's it's just as stupid as killing Jonathan Kent with a tornado. Some things you just don't do because they don't make any sense to do it. And I find myself getting angry a lot more frequently these days. 
And I find and and it and it I have to take a breath because one of the things that I determined a long time ago when we you know we've been at this now steady for two years since we came back, a little over two years. And I said, I do not want to become one of those outrage mob YouTubers, you know, the hate bait, rage click, whatever. And not all of them do it. And not all of them do it all the time. And there is a place for that. And I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. But we decided to carve out a different niche for ourselves and not be the same as everybody else. I don't want to do four-hour streams talking about how much I hate the something that I grew up liking. I, 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 just, I just don't want to. You know, we limit our shows to an hour or an hour and a half because you can only go so far. And I'm old and I get tired quickly. And I think the older I get, the less patience I have for this nonsense. I never had a whole lot of patience for it to begin with. But when, when are enough people going to sit there and say enough is enough? Yes? I could say the same thing. I mean, I'm younger than you. And like Mazura says, you know, my generation was taught to be colorblind. And that is true. It, yeah, there were some things in my childhood growing up that I had to tiptoe a little bit around. But that's because I had family members of an older generation from another part of the world that had to deal with things. And I understood then that it's kind of like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And there's only so far you can get with it. And I understand that. But other than that, it's a colorblind thing. You're looking at what's supposed to be internal. And you've heard me say this. You know, I would rather get hired on a job or not get hired on a job or however you want to put it because of what's in my head, not what's on the outside of it. Yeah. And I feel bad for these people who get these jobs who are getting hired for what's on the outside and they are crap on the inside. And it shows later and they get laughed at, but you're not allowed to laugh at them because then all of a sudden you yeah. get these well, or this or that. But have I have to say that with the different jobs I have held throughout my working career, and I started, you know, working at 18 or so, and, you know, I'm in my 40s now, and I've had jobs in different industries with different things. And it hasn't been until my later career that I have noticed this segregation type thing more obvious in the workplace. And what we are seeing within the industry here, you know, hiring someone because they fit this category or that category and stuff, I see that a lot more and it's frustrating well and because, I, I agree like with I you said, on, it should be what's in the head not what's on the outside i agree with your point that you made a while back that if you're going to do this 
job applications should be blind. The hiring process should be blind. You look at a person's qualifications, you take the name off, you take the, the you demographic take information off. off. Say, oh, this person has a degree in economics and worked for 12 years at this one company doing this one thing and doing this job and has this area of expertise. Give no them way. a number and have a third. I mean, I know That's giving right. them a number is kind of in a weird position, but at the same time, you need to remove anything within their background except for their experience and education in whatever it is. Now, yes, if you have someone who goes to a specific school that is for, you know, like Morehouse or Spelman, there's a good op or a good chance that you have someone of color there. However, but if you take out the names and all that, because, you know, you can have a Bob and Bob can be anything. But well. if you have a certain name that is given because it's a family name or something to that effect, those can very much dictate what you're automatically thinking that person is. And so you have to remove any personality from these things. Well, and it's not, it, it's, it's not even that. It, well, I mean, it's not just that. It, it's, it's a number of things. But when you start, and you start considering um, who gets hired in these in these genre productions like Star Wars or Star Trek or or Superman or Lois, any of the CW shows or any of that, and so many of them, and we've seen this now behind the scenes interviews with WandaVision, uh, we've seen it with uh, with you know Superman or Lois and a couple of others, where you have people that are getting hired to do these jobs to work on these shows, and they don't understand the source material. They don't care about the source material. They don't bother to learn about the source material. And it's obvious from the things that they say in their interviews that they have no clue about the source material. But because they are of a certain segment of the population, that seems to trump everything else. And I'm just so freaking tired of it. Eastland in the chat, well, he says, listen to what Ricardo Montalban said about opportunities for brown and non-white actors. He said, hire us because we're good. That's right. Merit. It should be based on merit above everything else. And if you have source material for whatever it is that you're doing, if you're adapting a book or if you're adapting a comic book or you're doing a TV show and making it into a movie or whatever, you should honor the source material. You should be faithful to what has come before to a certain degree because that has a fan base. If you are making a movie based on a comic book or if you're making a movie based on a TV show, part of that decision comes from the fact that this thing here, the original, has fans. They have a fan base or else you wouldn't be thinking about remaking it in the first place. If there's already a fan base, the fan base is going to have expectations of what this new thing is going to going to have to look like. Iris West is a redhead. Wally West is a redhead. Mary Jane Watson is a redhead. There are days 
and there are days. And I know that this show strays a little far afield sometimes from specific focus on science fiction, fantasy, horror. But it's of a piece. Because the overall culture war that we are dealing with infiltrates and infects all of the all of the genre franchises that we enjoy it's not just one particular thing yeah Eastland makes a good point Anne Boleyn was white they have a black actress playing her in the in the what was it BBC or something yeah I mean, that's just and that you know and that really bugs me and it's not so much that it bugs me because you know, whatever you want, whatever, fine. But that tends to be a period of history I absolutely love. So let's let's have, um, well, let me think here. If we're going to do this, because there's a static shock that's getting ready to be made. How about we have uh, Zach Efron play static shock? Would anybody be, be, be okay with that? I mean, we race bend the other way. You're not allowed to. Exactly. It's okay when we do it, but you're not allowed to do it. It's not racism when we do it, but you're a racist. It's not sexism when we do it, but you're a sexist. What I like is that they're trying to cancel Speedy Gonzalez, and you have the Hispanic community saying, whoa, where do you think you're going with this one? I know, right? I mean, it's Good one of for those- them for standing up for it. Well, and, and the Pepe Le Pew thing, that goes, that goes into that same kind of thing, because Pepe Le Pew is a buffoon. <laughs> the whole point of Pepe Le Pew is to show what kind of an idiot he is for doing what he does. And people don't get that. And and it even was pointed out, the actress who shares the scenes with Pepe Le Pew, and I can't remember her name, but she's disappointed that his scenes got cut. And apparently this got this happened a long while back. It was not just this decision that got made to, you know, this past couple of weeks. This has been a thing. It got cut a while back. And she was disappointed because now we don't get to lambast this kind of behavior. And of course, she's looking at it from a Me Too standpoint. We don't get to do the Me Too speech with Pepe Le Pew. She's disappointed with that. But on the flip side of it, Pepe Le Pew was never a serious predatory character. He was a he was a spoof. He was he was shown to be an idiot for doing this kind of thing. And when it got turned around on him, when the cat finally decided, well, you know, hey, I think I maybe turn the tables on him and go after him for a change. He flipped his lid and ran because he doesn't know how to handle it. Context is lost on these people. And as we've as we've learned from that article on Inverse, a lot of these a lot of these people driving this on Twitter are teenagers. And they want to lower the voting age. Okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say something here, and I don't want people to re- I don't want people to get triggered. So here's here's a little thing. All right, so this is just this is just between you and me. 
I'm going to grab my Yoda and hold on to it, okay? It's just between you and me. A lot of teenagers are stupid. (laughs) Sorry. A lot of teenagers have no idea about life. I've had this conversation with my own teenager. You know how many times I have had to apologize to my mother after dealing with some things in our Mm -hmm. personal Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. in the public Mm -hmm. life. And I just look at her and I'm, Mom, I am so sorry. I, I specifically remember. Now, I don't remember exactly when it happened, but it happened early. That when... Uh, I want to say maybe my kid was somewhere around five or six years old, six or seven, somewhere in there. I specifically called my mother to apologize for everything. It was just a blanket, Mom, I'm sorry. And you're right. Kids these days, you know, they say that. But for the most part, there is an entire generation in here that is so wired into their devices and nothing real happened before they were born. And they don't learn from history because they don't know history. They're not aware that history even happened prior to what now, 2005, 2006? They don't think anything happened before that. And so all of this new stunning and brave stuff with, you know, Michael Burnham being the lead character over on Discovery, for an example. She's not the first. She's not the first black lead. She's not the first female lead in Star Trek. Hate to break it to you, but those ceilings have already been smashed. And again, this goes back to people not understanding what they're making and trying to appeal to an audience who doesn't care. And it continues. And it will continue to continue. But I think, I wonder if we're at a turning point, I have to wonder if the Gina Carano thing, if the Gina Carano firing was the last straw. Because it's not going away. Most of the time when somebody gets fired, they either do their penance, they do their mea culpas, they do their time, and they come back, and they're all contrite, and now they're going to toe the party line and whatnot. Gina's not doing that. And people are standing up, and they're noticing, and they're supporting her, and they're saying enough is enough. Now, are enough people doing that? Probably not yet. But it does feel like something is brewing. Yes, Well, there's only a few of us in the world who are willing to sit 
get fired and argue for two hours over why they are firing because they have no legit reason. <laughs> I did that, by the way. It was well, fantastic. The see the thing is, and, you know, and and how what was it? I was seeing something. There was there was somebody. I want to say this was a Hollywood Reporter thing that uh, people are now sitting there saying, you know, it's probably not a bad idea to make things that conservatives will like as opposed to everything being what liberals will like because there's a lot of money being left on the table here. And I I got to go back and look and see where I, where I saw that. But apparently, you know, this has been something that, that has started – the conversation is starting to to happen. I think I remember seeing that, or you showed it to me. Yeah, yeah. I got to go back and find it and and look at it again because this this is where this is where Ben Shapiro was coming from with with his with his productions over Daily Wire. Run, hide, fight is not a political movie. It's a thriller. It's a school shootings thriller that has nothing to do with politics. It's you know. Kids trying to survive in a situation, and it's a it's a kind of a horror thriller type of thing. So they don't have anything to do with politics. And the the faith based stories, the faith based movies, some some do okay, some do better than expected. These things are out there, and I think you know I think Shapiro's right. I think there needs to be a place where you can sit there and say. Yeah, I voted for Trump and not have to worry about being fired or castrated or castigated or ousted, banned for life, you know, discommodation as the Klingons do. You shouldn't have to worry about your life and your livelihood simply because of the way you voted. And well, Hollywood, Hollywood makes you a pariah. And you see what they're trying to do with Gina Carano. They, you know, they're pulling away the 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 Bear Grylls episode over on National Geographic and more than likely the two Mandalorian books that were that were pulled from publication probably are going to be going through some kind of a rewrite to eliminate or minimize the Cara Dune character they're doing everything that they can to smear this woman you know the Hollywood Reporter did a hit piece on her basically saying oh well look her family her family's rich and they're involved in casinos in Las Vegas. Well, and then if you want to throw anything on top of that, Las Vegas was started by a Mormon uh, settlement. Well, yeah, but it was, and, but but it it built, was built. But look how it's built. But it was built by organized crime. It was built by organized crime, but it was originally settled. I mean, if you yeah. look at the history of any of these things. But at the same time, you know, you, you take a look at what's going on with Gina Carano and, you know, stuff that like Bill Burr has said and people are coming on to social media. Um, but like at the same time, you look at the what the new editor for Team Vogue getting, you know, they're trying to can't get rid of her because of stuff she posted when she was mm -hmm. a teenager mm -hmm. and things like that. Well, I had just read an article and this is something I've known about for a long time. And this is, you know, why I've pretty much tried to keep things fairly even when it comes to social media and even more so recently because of the psychotic group of people out in the world. But you do have your you do have your employers who are looking at potential hires who are going to social media. Oh yeah. And looking yeah. 
And no it's question. like, oh, this person, it's fine if they sit there and they talk about going out for happy hour, but I don't want to see a picture of them with a beer in their hand. Things like that. And, yeah. you know, to all these teenagers, you're doing it to them and wait till it happens to you. And it will. Because karma's going to be a real big bumblebee for you. Well, and and Mazers has a concern. This is this is could be another, you know, escalation in in the culture war. I think there's a potential for that, but I also think that the people who are pushing back on this, the people who are supporting Gina, for example, the people who are pushing back against cancel culture, they're not using the same tactics. And this is one of the problems that you have when you're fighting the left. The le there, are, there are more people who should read Saul Alinsky's rule for, Rules for Radicals and use those tactics against the people who use those tactics. I'm a firm believer in fighting fire with fire to a point. I don't think it should escalate to the point where you have, uh, you know, blood in the streets or anything like that. I'm not advocating for any of that. And any of the people that you don't agree with, you don't necessarily have to engage with any of those people. Don't, you know, don't, don't, mistake what I'm saying here. I'm not saying we need to escalate. I'm saying that a certain amount of defense needs to be offense. And if, if a lot of these people are put in their place and shown to be the hypocrites that they are, so much the better. Occasionally, you have to punch the bully in the nose. That's all I'm saying. But then at the same time, is the bully smart enough to realize it? And that's the problem we are seeing. Too. Well, see, in real life, when you punch the bully in the nose, the bully tends to run away. Because bullies, at their core, are cowards. And they are doing this in order to assert power and control over someone else. And that goes back to what I've said before. This is about power. It's about control. It's about having power, acquiring power, keeping power. And being able to control and manipulate other people as part of that. This will be used against them. The progressive left, the lunatic fringe left, is nothing more than a circular firing squad. And they will come to rue the day when they decided that they were right and nobody else was. Because it's going to come back to bite them. It might have started. Was Gina Carano the linchpin? Don't know. We'll see. On that note, we'll wrap this up. Thanks, everybody, for your comments and being here today. 
And uh, if you are listening to this as a podcast, if you would uh, leave a rating, uh, if you can leave a comment, that helps with the algorithm. If you are watching this in replay on any of the different uh, platforms where we're broadcasting, if you want to leave a comment or you know hit a thumbs up or a like or the whatever, um, and I'm finding out even on YouTube, uh, even even a dislike on YouTube helps the algorithm because it's um, it's engagement. It's apparently it's you know somebody is somebody is doing something. So, so come on, Gary, bring it on. Yeah, come on, Gary. Um, or 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 Shane. Now we don't have a Shane. Midnight's Edge has a Shane. We have a Gary. Uh, Mazers, some colorful metaphors. Mm, occasionally, maybe they run through my head, but I I generally was raised not to not to talk that way anyway, so it doesn't come to mind. And as when it does easily. come out, you just drop your jaw. Well, some days are better than others. <clears throat> All right. On that note. I will head out. Thank you very much for being here. Don't forget tonight we will have a brand new H2O podcast. We're back with, uh, uh, let's see here. What's, uh, what's the topic today? We're going to be talking about the future of Star Trek. The future of Star Trek. We've got this new script that's being commissioned over at Paramount. We've got uh, casting news for Strange New Worlds. They're, they're in production. So we're going to be talking about that tonight. And then next week... Being the 22nd, we will have had four days. So next Monday, we will be doing a reaction and review of the Snyder Cut on next Monday show. So Star Trek tonight, Snyder Cut next Monday. Tomorrow, we will have a brand new Salacious Crumbs with the latest Star Wars news. Then Ranker Pit on Thursday to talk about the Star Wars news. I'm sure the Bill Burr situation will come up as well as more dealing with Gina. And then on Saturday, of course, Good Morning Multiverse and a new foreign body. So we are back to our regular programming this week. And uh, hopefully you will join us for all of that. In the meantime, uh, feel free to check out any of the rest of our programming, our content over at SciFiForMe.com and our uh, other videos here. Uh, if you are so inclined, you want to hit the thumbs up on the way out. If you're new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe, have your notifications turned on so you know when we have the latest here. And we'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern, live from the bunker with more. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.